Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. On this week's episode, we will be discussing how you can still get your sports fix amid the coronavirus pandemic, what the Michigan basketball roster might look like next season, and what to expect from Michigan's running backs in the fall. All that and more on this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Well, guys, how have you been holding up uh, since our last conversation? Our state, Michigan, has gone to a, you know, Full shutdown, I guess, as far as uh, you know, folks being encouraged to stay inside and uh, you know, certain businesses closing. Honestly, to me, it's kind of the same. This is how I was living my life this past week anyway, so uh, it didn't really change much. I was just about to say the same thing. I haven't really changed much of what I've done at all. Limited my interaction socially. Uh, I haven't gone out a ton. But yeah, it hasn't, hasn't changed a lot since last week. Yes, I have been huntered down. I actually went golfing uh on sunday in 30 degree weather but i mean that was it was part it was legal you know it was encouraged to get outside and do some outdoor activities by yourself or are you with other people i would golf with another guy but we we took we kept our distance six feet away so i brought my own pen to sign the my credit card with brought (laughs) hand sanitizer you know i was i'm taking this seriously i'm ready for this to be over with so and you're a lefty, so your slices are taking you to one rough, one rough. And if this other player was a righty, then he's going on the other side. So you're all good. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Very good. All right. Yeah. Well, we, uh, you know, as far as actual sports, they're still they're still not happening, and no timetable for for their return. We did learn was was that news, Aaron? You you and I were both on the same uh, call. The whole April uh, twenty. What was the date? Twenty first. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. Was that, well, that's the thing. I think you're referring to that that, that webinar we said on setting on today with Michigan Athletics Department. They've been their messaging has been convoluted. So, like they've said, the winter and spring sessions seasons are are ended, and everything's you know canceled until April 21st. Whereas when it comes to the football program, they have said practices are canceled until further notice. They haven't given us a date. So I guess that that is new. The Big Ten is. They're still sticking to everything. It's canceled through April 6th at this point. All organized team activities when it comes to the football. So it sounds like Michigan's – I'm, I'm still getting clarification. I want, I want to get clarification from the Big Ten on their rule when it comes to spring practices if spring practices can be held outside of the academic calendar. Because if that's the case, Michigan will not be practicing this spring, which it looks that looks like it headed that way anyway. But I'm, I'm curious to see if the team would – if they can, if they're willing, if they want to – 
if they, if they wanted to practice in May, you know, would they be able to? We'll see. As of right now, Michigan football is not going to be practicing, uh, not in time soon. And whether they're able to remains up in the air. Yeah, I have to imagine there's going to be some exceptions, exemptions, uh, alterations to the rules, you know, this this year as they kind of sort out all these, you know, changes that have been inflicted because of the pandemic. But OK, let's uh, let's talk a little let's talk a little basketball before we go back to football, just because the roster is some decisions are going to be coming up as we talk here in late March. So we've got April. April 15th is the next is when the next signing period begins. Um, Michigan has bas- men's basketball team has five commits for that class. Only one signed in November, Zeb Jackson. Four others unsigned. We got to talk to one, Terrence Williams, at Michigan's what turned out to be their final game of their season at Maryland. He said he's signing on that day. He can't wait. Um, there's no reason to think that Hunter Dickinson and Jawan Howard's son Jace, you know, won't sign pretty quickly as well. And you know, from what I gathered from. Isaiah Todd's high school coach and from Terrence Williams about Isaiah Todd is that they're hopeful that he will be signing as well and not say playing overseas. You also wonder how that plan might change with, with what's going on in the world. But, and then there's others that are uncommitted that are strongly considering Michigan. Most notably Joshua Christopher, a top 10 kid in the class. Greg Brown is another also top 10, you know, they could end up in Michigan too. Terrence Williams was was optimistic that uh, you know Christopher could eventually be be a Michigan signee. So anyway, at the bare minimum, well not at the bare minimum, but you got five five kids that are committed to come to Michigan. Okay, you've got two seniors leaving. You've got thirteen scholarships available. They're already going to be one over the limit if if just those five kids come. You add Josh Christopher to the mix. Now you're two over. You add a, a graduate transfer. Uh, they're looking at a kid from Harvard. They're looking at a kid from Columbia. Now you're three over. And, and the numbers just don't really start to add up. And I did talk to a couple of Michigan's assistants, uh, Phil Martelli and Saudi Washington, about this. And, you know, they, they gave various answers of, you know, we're doing our d- due diligence and this all sort of works itself out. So, you know, not ever having sat in one of those meetings, we don't know exactly what is said, but, you know, I'm sure a coach can lay out, hey, here's where we see you going forward. Here's who we're bringing in. Here's where we maybe see in the depth chart, you know, and, and the player might decide his future might be better spent elsewhere. I don't know if you guys want to weigh in on this numbers crunch, but it, it's kind of a it's an interesting dance. It, yeah, it, it's important to remember all programs, whether it's football, basketball, they all go through this type of thing every year. You, you mentioned the, the figuring out where guys fit in and where not. I mean, it's going to come down. To, I, it, you, you, like you said, the numbers don't add up. So they're going to have to give, you know, a, a nudge to a couple of guys likely say, hey, you know, there's no room for you next year, whatever the case may be. It's one of those things where you don't really see the behind the scenes, how it happens. But it happens. The coaches every year make it happen. It happens in football where you get guys suddenly transferred before fall camp begins. Um, they're essentially told there's no room for you in the roster or we're no, we're no longer giving you a scholarship next season. Because it's important to remember these scholarships are renewable every year. This isn't like once you commit, you get a four-year deal. It's a, it's assumed that's, that's the case. And for most players, yes, that is the case. They end up scholarship all year. But you know when it comes to other guys coming in and, and freshman classes and everything else, you got to figure it out. So, it, 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 you know, there's like you said, there's only a certain number of scholarships, there's only a certain number of spots. Someone's going to have to lose out here, and it's probably not going to be the incoming freshman. Right. I mean, I think that's well said. Is that it could, there could be that some of these kids end up, you know, not not signing for whatever reason. But yeah, you just almost have to plan for attrition. Pretty much in, in Division One men's college basketball, 
there's an average of about 700 kids that transfer every year. You divide that by the 300 plus programs, it's about almost exactly two per program per year. So you just you just expect this. And you know, when Michigan offered that fifth year to Austin Davis several weeks, you know, a couple weeks before the season ended, it kind of maybe it told you maybe what they were thinking of as far as some of these incoming freshmen or as far as the grad transfers or, you know, any of the uncommitted kids, probably, you know, where they stood or what they thought about maybe the kids that were already with the program that might be leaving. So it's all speculation. One question I will address because more than one person asked me this j- just yesterday. Will Jace Howard, Jawan's son, be a preferred walk-on. His father, obviously, is, we know how much money he makes. And, you know, why can't he just pay for his kid to be a, to be a walk-on there? I asked Jace this point blank shortly before he committed to Michigan. He said it had not been discussed, the possibility of being a walk-on. All he's heard is scholarship, scholarship, scholarship. Now, that was now at this point months ago. You know, has that changed? Would he be willing to? You you are viewed differently in the program when you're a walk-on versus a scholarship player. So I don't know. But all I know is what I was told at that time, which was that that wasn't, hadn't been discussed. But I, I guess I wouldn't rule it out either. It makes sense. In some schools, and I don't know if that's the case here at Michigan, I guess it's probably worthy, worthy to look into, but some schools give employees of their institution, you know, kids, kids of their employees free tuition. I don't know how that works. Yeah, in they, Michigan, they but, would not. Joan, he would not get free tuition, as I, I did look into that. Yeah, it's, it's another good point because others have, have speculated on that as well. I'm not saying there's no uh, university employees whose kids want to get some sort of discount or, or whatever, but he would not be one of them. They, they still have to have to pay. But uh yeah, and kids come in on on you know a lot of the walk-ons on the Michigan team are are on scholarship for for academic reasons too. So um, you know there's a lot of ways to to get money out of uh, out of your situation without just being taking up one of the 13 scholarships. Oh, the other the other thing I'll mention with basketball is uh, the game against Oregon. There's a set date for that. It's November 14th next season. That makes a lot of sense. It was if it was going to be the same weekend it was this year in Ann Arbor, like December 12th, 13th, something like that. That would have been traveling to London for a game on a Sunday, coming back to Ann Arbor and going out to Eugene, Oregon for a game that Saturday. That is that is a lot of traveling at once. Oh, that doesn't seem like too much at all. That's no big deal. And you got a Big Ten, you got a Big Ten uh, game somewhere in there. You got a Big Ten ACC game somewhere in there. No, this now this now spaces it out much better. Of course, that London game, like I guess pretty much every game, you know, for the next however many months, is in jeopardy. Uh, Calipari said today to his reporters, "We gotta we gotta figure this thing out. Whether we shift the schedule and and." Uh, you know, we play the home and home with Michigan first and, and push the London game back a, a year or two, or we just cancel that altogether um, remains to be seen. We haven't gotten Juwan, uh, you know, since the season ended, so haven't gotten his thoughts on it. But that was that was Calipari, who was, you know, who kind of spearheaded this this whole this game to begin with, saying that it is it is not a foregone conclusion that it's going to be played on December 5th, 2020. But uh, but yeah, that that's pretty much it for the, the basketball news. And you know, before we move to football. Try to try to take a lighter uh, on the lighter side. Are there sports that you guys have been watching at all? You know, replay, cl- you know, classic games. Uh, they're showing a lot of NCAA tournament games during this time. Uh, Brian, let me let me know if you've been you've been watching any of this. I cannot say that I've watched any basketball games yet. To be honest, for the first week, I wasn't I didn't have an itch to watch sporting events or reruns or anything like that. I mean, it was kind of just 
accepting that there was no sports on at this point. And then last night, uh, I found that the game seven of the San Jose Sharks versus Vegas Golden Knights game was on NBC Sports Network. And that was the game where uh, San Jose was down by three goals with 10 minutes left. And then a controversial five minute penalty was called on on Vegas. And, and San Jose went on to store four power play goals to take the lead. Vegas tied it up in the final minute, and then San Jose won in overtime. It was probably the most electric wow. period of hockey I have watched in my lifetime. And just watching it over again, I started to get chills. I'm like, man, I wish playoff hockey was right around the corner like it should be come early April. And it's kind of, it's kind of depressing afterwards. But that was the first sporting event that I, I watched during this during this pandemic. So uh, I'll probably watch a few more hockey games. Obviously, the, the Blues Cup run last year was pretty – uh, pretty special for me, so I might, you know, rewatch Game Seven or of the the Bruins game or something like that. But uh, other than that, I haven't really had that much desire to to watch many sporting events. Yeah, I mean, same here. I, I don't watch much sporting you know events when I'm in my free time anyway to begin with, and since there's nothing new on it anyway, I'm not going to spend my time. So no, I haven't. I have not. No. Yeah, I mean, they've been showing some uh, classic Big Ten basketball games on, on on Big Ten Network. You know, the Michigan couple of the Michigan Indiana games uh you know during sort of the Trey Burke era the 2013 game against Kansas in the Sweet 16 where Trey Burke hits the super deep 3 it's just interesting to sometimes tune in these games that you may have watched live and you know you think you remember you've seen that shot a million times or whatever and then you know, kind of pick up on little things that you had forgotten about. Oh, geez, they turned it over like three straight times. They missed they missed the front end of a one and one, uh, you know, twice there in the final minutes. Yeah. And uh, or, you know, you know something. Oh, this is when this is about to happen. But yeah, it can be fun. But it's also depressing too, knowing that like, yeah, you don't know when you're we're going to see live sports again. Like the unknown is what is what hurts the most and what's the most frustrating because nobody really knows how long this is going to last. Absolutely. Let's talk football. Uh, I'm not saying that I'm guaranteeing that there's going to be a football season played on time, you know, starting in September. Because, again, people want to say, ah, it'll be fine by September. But you can't really look at that. You have to see if it's going to, as we've discussed with spring practice, with fall camp, with everything. Okay, when are schools going to open again? You can't just say, all right, we're ready to go. All right, kickoff. You know, you need time to kind of rev your body back up, um, have practices. <laughs> so you really got to look back. I don't know how many weeks you want to need to go back before the season can start. But regardless, we're going to kind of take a look each week here at a different position for Michigan football to look at. And uh, we're going to start not with quarterback because I feel like we've already tackled that a little bit, no pun intended, um, you know, over the last few weeks. We'll get to, we'll get back to it, but we're going to start with running backs. So yeah, this is this is a group that is somewhat deep. You've got some guys that have proven themselves at the college level. You got potentially a, you know an old an old face uh, back in the fray. So uh, I guess Aaron, if you can kind of start you know kind of set the table for us on the running back group. Yeah, I mean, boy, like what a year has changed. I mean, I, I can remember this time last year. I was- going into spring practice, talking about the lack of depth of running back, just lack of experience depth. I mean, you had a lot of guys there, but a lot of guys hadn't proven themselves. A year later, you've got three of their top four backs from last year coming back, um, from just from a yardage production standpoint. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, Hassan Hoskins, and Christian Turner. Um, Charbonnet, you know, he was the hot name coming into last season, the four-star uh, recruit out of Southern California, put up a lot of yards in college, in, excuse me, in high school. Um, he had a, he had a hot start last season. He ended up rushing for over 700 yards, 11 touchdowns, um, but dealt with some injuries that were kind of that kind of went unexplained as the year went on. 
Uh, you know, we know he was banged up early on. I don't know how much that really affected him as the season went on. Perhaps it did, perhaps it didn't. We never really got a clear answer on all that. But he looked good at times. I mean, he averaged nearly five yards a carry. Um, he was productive in short yard situations. Uh, he, he's a big athletic kid. Um, he he clearly, you know, at this time last year, Michigan looked at him as a running back of the future. Um, it was a good, it was a good, you know, good freshman year. That there's obviously more to gain. Uh, Hassan Hoskins, I think, is the most interesting name of the three that are coming back, just because you know Hassan, he was he was running back in high school. They converted him, moved him to linebacker uh, two years ago, and he got to Michigan. And they decided, you know, be, be, because of the lack of a the lack of depth, lack of, lack of experience coming into the running back spot last year with Chris Evans leaving or you know being dismissed from school, they they needed another body. Um, he grew as the year went on. By the end, by the time the bowl game happened, by the time Ohio State game, you know, at the end of the regular season, he, to me, um, was their most productive back, I thought. He rushed for 622 yards, four touchdowns. He averaged more than five yards a carry. He had some really big games where he rushed more than, for more than 100 yards. I think he had two or three 100-yard rushing games. So he, to me, is the most interesting guy who potentially could have the highest ceiling here. He's, he's a little bit different body than Zach Charbonnet, uh, a little more athletic. Um, we, I think, and I think we saw that he hurdled a couple, he tried hurdling a couple of, uh, defenders last season. So he's, he's another name to pay attention to. And then Christian Turner, um, I thought he was going to be the, the guy that I thought he was going to be the son Hoskins last year. It, it just didn't happen. You know, he only rushed for 171 yards, a touchdown. He had blocking issues and pass protection early on. He fumbled the football and he basically just kind of fell out of favor with the coaching staff. Uh, it sounded like at the end of the season, he suffered an injury. That's why he didn't play. Um, but I don't know how many, how much, how many reps he would have gotten otherwise, just because of his lack of production and his mistakes on offense. Now, it, you know, the one nice thing about the offseason is he's able to um, erase all that, and kind of start from scratch. But there's so much competition there with those, as I mentioned, Hassan and then Charbonnet. But then you get the the, the interesting variable here, as you kind of hinted at earlier, Andrew, is, is Chris Evans. He's back for senior season after after being dismissed from the university last year for academic reasons. We haven't really gotten a reason on the record for, for what happened there. But Chris is back. He's on the team. Um, he's expected to participate. He was expected to participate this spring. You know, he, uh, of, the, of the other three guys that are returning, he has the most experience of anyone. You know, he's he had successful freshman, sophomore seasons. He's rushed for, you know, he's had productive games and rushed for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Um, but he, and maybe I'll, I'll, give, I'll give the floor to Ryan here in a second, but, uh, you know, uh, Chris, I think, fits very well in this, the speed and space offense that, that Josh Gaddis has kind of implemented. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the the thing that you had last year with Charbonnet and, and Haskins is neither really was, was a receiving threat out of the backfield. And I think Evans would be more of a receiving threat. And even freshman Blake Corum uh, kind mm-hmm. of has a track record of, of being a, a, a threat out of the backfield. Um, obviously, he's a freshman and needs to bulk up a lot. So he's kind of an unknown at this point. But so was Charbonnet last year, and, and he ended up kind of coming on onto the scene pretty quickly at Michigan. So Corm's another highly regarded kid, four-star running back who who really ascended through the the prospect rankings over his senior year. So yeah, with I mean, you really have five names in the mix, and it, it's going to depend on what Michigan is looking for at that position. If they if they want to go to the air more and have more of a receiving threat out of the backfield, you just see more. Or of uh, of Evans, if you want uh, to pound it four or five yards at a time, you give it to Haskins or Charbonnet. So uh, the running back to me is almost more interesting than than the quarterback position because there's so many more there's so many guys in the running for playing time. Real quick, Chris Evans is, is in 2018. 
Uh, he caught 18 passes for 148 yards and a touchdown. Um, and that's in their pro style scheme that they ran a couple years ago. Uh, so I can only imagine what he, he could bring to the table uh, in, in Josh Gaddis' new, new system. Yeah, no, you guys have made a lot of good points. You know, I, I think they have more last year. They had maybe more more thunder than lightning, so to speak, uh, with, with that running back group. And Evans maybe brings a little more, uh, you know, again, you talk about speed and space. That's kind of where he shines. Uh, he's not going to necessarily run you over. But, yeah, he can, he can catch passes. He can make guys miss. I mean, I can remember more, more than one tweet from at Aaron McMahon, um, you know, during during games talking about, Geez, the one guy you'd like to maybe see out there uh, in this offense uh, is Chris Evans. Um, at that point, you know, it was unsure whether he would ever return to the program. Um, but, you know, now now he gets a he gets a crack at it. And, yeah, this group is is young and kind of generally inexperienced. I mean, even if you got some of these guys that are that are upperclassmen, um, you know, other than Evans, you know, they, they, like you mentioned, they had position changes or they just they weren't really seeing the field. You know, last year was kind of their, the first time to, to – to, to do it at the at the college level I mean for Charbonnet literally as a freshman and then you know even for for Turner and Haskins that was really their their first time getting significant carries so you know I think there's a lot of a lot of upside with this group um you know the other the, the last question I'll ask about this group is how much are they going to be leaned on um is this going to be a team that's going to you know look every team looks for balance running versus throwing but some are obviously you know more you know one more than the other you know especially not knowing uh, i guess also I'll, I'll give my answer here especially not knowing who the quarterback's going to be and you know not not having a guy that's necessarily just been super successful just throwing the ball at the college level yet i think it makes this group pretty important but but tell me if you disagree no, no i i 100% agree with you i think how much they're leaned on is going to depend on who the quarterback is just because Joe Milton does things better than Dylan McCaffrey. Dylan McCaffrey adds that that running element to the offense that could take some, in, in theory, take some reps away from the running back. So we'll see what that the quarterback, the starting quarterback, ends up being. Um, but I, I do think, given given the, the the ability of some of these guys to show what they can do and the experience that they have, I think Michigan certainly can lean on the running backs a lot more than they did last season. How much you know remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see. Um, but they certainly have. The bodies are there. The guys have proven themselves, and uh, and you get Evans back, who adds, I think, another dimension. And and you know, Zoo kind of hit on Blake Corum too. I'm curious to see what he brings. Um, I think he might have been more effective if Michigan was in a situation like they were going into spring last year, just just with the the lack of experience. I think he could have perhaps you know stood out in that regard. So he's got a he's got a mountain to climb with regards to Corum, but the talent again is there. He's another four star kid who, who shows a lot. He may add a lot to the offense. Um, he's he's a guy to certainly pay attention to, and I think would have benefited a lot off of you know spring practice. You know, he was a, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was one of the early enrollees, right, Gorm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he, I mean, he would have benefited a ton off spring practice. If they don't have that, then he again he he loses that inherent advantage he would have gotten enrolling early. I think the one thing for him though, having that new rule where those those early enrollees can practice a few times before uh, before the bowl game really helped them because other if he didn't do that they would have no experience right now whatever but at least he was able to get his feet wet in a few practices before the bowl game um but yeah like you said not being able to practice during the spring would be very costly especially for all all young players who are trying to earn a job that's that's gotta be tough yeah definitely well we'll be we'll be back at this next week to 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 take another uh you know look at a different uh position group but there's a couple couple little news items that we can we can touch on here 
you know, with, with the football team. One is Drew Henson, a name that, you know, I don't feel like any Michigan fan uh, doesn't know uh, for, for one reason or another, you know, just the kind of the two sports star and, and, and the promise and, and kind of the potential and the hype and, and never quite, you know, reaching it um, in either sport, but his name, his name was in the news today, Aaron. Yeah. He's going into the state of Michigan baseball hall of fame. Um, you know, I was looking, I went back and looked, I guess before we get into that, he's going to be honored. The plan at least right now is to honor him August 8th in Lansing, uh, during, uh, a, the Lansing lug nuts, West Michigan Whitecaps single A baseball game. Uh, the plan right now, I think is to uh, do a ceremony after the second inning and a video tribute and uh, plaque unveiling. And I went back and looked at Hudson's, you know, not only his obviously football career at Michigan, but his baseball career. And I didn't realize how many records he set, like set, you know, he, he was the star at Brighton high school. He set the MHSA record for wait for it, base hits, doubles, home runs, grand slams, runs scored, RBIs and walks. He had a 527 batting average. He won 40 games. The pitcher, the, the kid was amazing. High school baseball player. Um, didn't, didn't play baseball at Michigan because he had already been drafted in the major leagues. You know, he, he, he was, he, he, and then he ended up obviously playing quarterback at Michigan for the football team. But, you know, the kid was an athlete, you know, growing up and it's, it's too bad he didn't turn into a more productive collegiate career. Um, but he certainly deserves recognition from, uh, from the state of Michigan. And that sounds like what he's, he's going to be getting this summer. Gotcha. So the last thing I want to ask people, you know, stuck at home here, give the people one sports movie that they need to see if they haven't seen it already. Let's start with Zook. Zook's more of a movie guy, I feel like. I am a movie guy. Well, my favorite, one of my favorite movies of all time is Miracle. I mean, I, it was just a Go anniversary figure. not too long ago, a 40th anniversary, and uh, I had to plug that back in and watch it. And it's just, it still gets, gives me chills every time. It's my favorite sports movie, by not by far, because there are a lot of good movies out there, but that's probably my favorite. Kurt Russell apparently just does an unbelievable job portraying. I don't know the coach's name, but Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks. Brooks. There you go. Yeah, um, that, I mean that is that is a great movie. Have you ever seen Slapshot? I've never seen that. Oh yes, you got to see. You've never seen Slapshot? Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, Aaron, have you seen it? Have you seen Slapshot? That's more like a comedy. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Um, I guess I, I saw it on TV the other day when I was looking through the channels. Coach Carter. That's one of the movies. It's a basketball movie. I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, but Samuel L. Jackson, I think Channing, Channing Tatum's in it. Uh, it's one of my favorite basketball movies, I'd say. Yes, uh, very interesting. Uh, that's a good one. Andrew, yours? I'll go with uh, – well, we, I feel like we keep going like for younger age groups. I'll go with uh, Little Big League then. Uh, that is when the, the kid uh, who is the grandson of the Twins owner then get, names himself – uh, manager of the team um, and uh, hilarity ensues okay a lot of baseball strategy a lot of baseball history um, you know a lot of uh, a lot of famous players of the day are in that movie Ken Griffey and, and Randy Johnson come to mind of course as that's the team the twins have to play in the final game won't have any more spoilers but just a just a real good baseball movie I mean blows blows rookie of the year out of the water okay don't even bring that into the conversation, <laughs> all right? But yeah, there's there's one, but there's there's of course so many other great ones. Uh, but Slapshot is one I had not seen, so maybe I'll uh, I'll add it to the to the queue. We certainly have time. <laughs> we, we do. We have plenty of that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, guys, thanks again, and uh, thanks to you listeners out there. We'll be back for another episode next week. <laughs>